Hello, everybody. It's Kirk Henderson coming to you once again this week, but now I'm joined by two special guests. First of DallasBasketball.com, Matthew Glatson, and second of everyone's favorite Welch's grape juice commercial, we have Dalton Trigg. How are how are you both? Doing <laughs> fine, Kirk. Thank, thank you for that great uh, intro. I, you know, Matt teases me about that all the time. I don't even know if people have seen that commercial. That Matt, you should oh, post it to your it. actual I'm page. In, I'm putting it in the in the, <laughs> the article. No, I won't do that to you. Oh. Oh, oh, that for for those anyway. of you who are just now joining us, this is part two of a two part podcast. The first part of the podcast was on the Step Back Mavs podcast, which you should go seek out, subscribe, rate, give it very high ratings, but be sure to indicate in the comments that I told you to do so. And we are joining you guys (laughs) primarily because, you know, Matt Dalton and I talk at least three times a day uh, on Twitter, and we decided that we should actually, you know, take some of this, this great content and bring it to the audio realm. We discussed a lot on their podcast, including this weird, amazing, um, uh, maddening Giannis speculation, a preposterous trade idea that Dalton feels like dying on the cross for. And then we, we tried to kind of figure out some, some free agency stuff only to, to, you know, as Matt said in our pre pre podcast chit chatting, um, the the free agency list is grim. So you know, understanding that, folks, why 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 did we do a whole other podcast? Since it seems like that that was a podcast in and of itself for a week. Well, there's plenty of Mavs content, and I wanted to get to it right away. The the first yeah. bit here is that that we had is is Dalton showed me this thing that I missed completely. The ESPN power rankings came out their really really early season power rankings talk and and the Mavericks are fifth and <laughs> that's high but but what do you guys think is that insane I'll go first uh, uh, but look I mean my here was my thought mm-hmm. the ESPN it seems at least in my opinion they're typically more down on the Mavs, I feel like, over the last few years than most people are. Uh, So to see the Mavs that high, it kind of like, you know, it made me really pay attention. I was just like, wow, I was not expecting this. And, you know, being the the optimist that I am when it comes to the Mavs, I was just like, yeah, I'm with them, you know. (laughs) Definitely put them fifth. But in, in, in all seriousness, in, in all seriousness, when are we going to stop putting a ceiling on what Luca can do for this team? Because, you know, he had the eighth best odds heading into the, the this last season uh, to, to win MVP, and everybody was like, oh, that's just, you know, he shouldn't even be on that list and everything. And, I mean, he ended up finishing fourth after, you know, having the eighth best odds and uh, just in the second season making the – all NBA first team, uh, which is crazy. You know, where are his, where are his MVP odds? Where are they for 2021? He's first. <laughs> <laughs> He's currently first, which Matt predicted a few weeks ago on our on our podcast. So, I mean, it's just crazy. I I think at this point, everybody kind of realizes like, okay, maybe we shouldn't put a ceiling on what what they can do because he's only going to continue to get better. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious 
if Kristaps Porzingis can stay healthy, that even if they don't add a third star, if they just fill in the, you know, the blanks with some uh, good veteran players that can shoot the ball and play a lick of defense, that uh, this this Mavs team is going to be a problem. So that was my thoughts on it. I just, I, I thought it was great. And I'm glad that people are starting to, you know, see my vision. <laughs> what about you Matt? Well, you're you're more my soul sister on these things well to me it it does seem a little high and you know because i mean two years ago they won what 30 games mm. so it's it, it's it's kind of hard to believe but if a lot of these power rankings that come out it's kind of like the way too early college football rankings in my opinion where like a team finishes really strong <laughs> and the hype train gets out of control and all of a sudden Luca is the number one MVP candidate and the Mavs are fifth in the power rankings because they took the Clippers to six games and all this stuff. And some of it's founded. I mean, look, if you have the number one guy, according to Vegas in the MVP odds, Vegas is usually pretty good at what they do. Your team's going to be pretty highly rated on the power ranking scale. Right. Now, does that mean that's what's going to happen? No, because You've got the Lakers who just won a championship. You've got the Clippers who are probably still going to be pretty good, even though Doc Rivers is gone. You've got some other good teams. Yeah, the Rockets won't be there anymore, but it's pretty hard to deny that they're on the right track. It's just maybe it's a little high, just a little bit, a little bit. I don't know. It it scares me. I'll say that. It scares me a lot. I really like what you had to say there about the college football way too early stuff because I have been, you know, my how I made it through the Dennis Smith rookie rookie year was drinking a whole lot and then basically yelling at everyone about Luca <laughs> until it happened. And then when we got Luca, when when Luca ended up as a Maverick, I remember writing a column somewhere around I don't know, probably 15 games in. And then I wrote a similar column this year where I I essentially discussed about how this is one of the most fun times on a team building trajectory because the expectations just aren't there. It's pure fun. And, you know, we all freaked out about how terrible the Mavericks were in um, clutch games and such, but like, when it comes to watching basketball, I mean, you guys have to recap games, you know, every other game. Matt, you probably do like 40 games a year. Dalton, I don't know how many you do, but you can't do it <laughs> if it doesn't, if it's not fun. And the Mavericks this last year were a whole lot of fun. Now, that's not to say they won't be fun, but when you start dealing with expectations and, and expectations from which is crazy because like we're not on the team, but like it's it starts to be less less fun to watch them as as they develop these expectations. So I I like what you're talking about there because you know if they're too high next year and they don't meet those expectations, then these irritating questions start to arise. Well, see, and I don't want to talk. You know what I mean? Like I don't like that. That's not fun. Look, here's the here's the difference in my opinion. So just con- continuing with this college football example. You look at LSU from last year, you know, they they had a dream season, undefeated. Joe Burrow was amazing. They had amazing receivers, defense, everything. And then they turn around and lose every one of their – pretty much every one of their starters on both sides of the ball. 
and they're still like top five. I think they were fifth or sixth heading into uh, this season, and now they're one and two, and they're horrible. So, I mean, the the difference, in my opinion, is you know the Mavs they still have their Joe Burrow. You know, they still have they still have Luca. They still have KP. I mean, they're gonna be good. I mean, health permitting. So. I think it's a little bit different because college football, you know, it can you can take massive swings from one year to the other, but this is more of a stable situation where the guys are young, they're on the team for a long time going forward, and they're going to continue to get better. So that's how I'm able to justify the, uh, you know, the high expectations. Like Matt said, it is kind of scary because you, <laughs> you, you haven't had these expectations, but I think it's warranted given, you know, what we've seen going from Luca's rookie year to now. Well, I, I think it's absolutely warranted just because of the way they finish. But I also, at the same time, I think momentum between seasons is one of the most overrated things ever because, I mean, you're taking five months off. There's no guarantee that when we get back here next year that KP can continue to have the insane numbers that he was having in the bubble and, and you know, that Tim Hardaway Jr. can do replicate what he did last year. It's just, it's, it's very, it's very fragile ground to walk on. And I, I don't like having those kind of expectations. I mean, you're right, Kirk. I, you know, Dalton and I each probably write 35 to 40 game stories a year. We pretty much rotate and then a couple are picked up by other people, but that was brutal. Absolutely brutal when they were going 33 and 49 or whatever they were doing. And it's just starting ah, to get fun. <laughs> and, and, and now if, if all of these questions start creeping in, well, why aren't they winning 50 games? Why aren't they winning right. 55? They should be winning 60 games. They have Luca and KP. It becomes a grind. Yeah. Like we and, have a lot, we have a lot of fans that were not Mavs fans from 2008. 7 to 2010 where the Mavericks kept failing and that sucked though in retrospect it shouldn't have sucked because we were watching one of the best basketball players of all time make chicken salad out of chicken shit year after year <laughs> you know and, right. and like like the, I, I that's where I just keep circling back to and I, I yelled I yelled at my my uh, our mutual friend Josh about this, where it's just like Luca is gonna make this team something, and they've done the hard part. So I suppose like it's pre belly aching in one sense, where I I don't like like worrying about something that hasn't happened yet is like something that that is very hard for me to grasp. But at the same time, I still do it. So when we're we're talking about these things, it's very it's very funny because all we want is Dallas to be mentioned. And then, you know, they're mentioned as like fifth in the NBA power rankings. And I bring you on and kind of being like, is this the great, is this the best thing ever? Like what the who? like somebody slapped me. I'm being annoying. Well, understanding that the, the next part about what was in this kind of blurb written by Tim McMahon is that the, the Mavericks should be in the hunt for some quote, veteran toughness uh, to complement their historic uh, efficient offense. And then on top of that, you have uh, the athletics Shams Sharania uh, in his you know news and notes around the NFL or NFL NBA saying that that the Mavericks are willing to take on large salaries from a team to acquire a star player. Now, 
the sham sentence is is not English. Um, what I I read him to actually mean was the Mavericks <laughs> might take on large salaries in the event that they are like one year salaries. Like they they have no problem taking on stuff so long as it doesn't clog their cap space. But you know it's not like they're taking on Al Horford. Like that, Dallas dodged a bullet there. So so what like what do we think about the Mavericks? You know pursuing some some quote like veteran toughness. Is it just sort of tinkering around the fringes this off season? Is that what we have to look forward to? Well. Look, it's just going off of Tim McMahon's thing there, and I actually plan on writing something about this here probably over the weekend, but uh, a veteran that I wouldn't mind having on this Mavs team, and I think pretty much everybody would agree with me, is Marcus Smart. And the reason I'm intrigued by him not only is, you know, not only would he be a good fit, uh, you know, he's a two-way player. He's become an excellent three-point shooter. You know, I used to joke about, you know, two, three years ago, uh, every time he played the Mavs, he'd hit seven threes, even though he wasn't a good three-point shooter at the time. Well, now he's actually a consistently good three-point shooter all the time. <laughs> right. And uh, he's a good defender. He he brings you that, that tough guy element uh, to the team, too. And I don't know if you all remember this, but towards the end of that uh, – that Eastern Conference Finals, there was some turmoil in the locker room between him and Brown. And, I mean, you know, you don't know how serious something like that is, but, I mean, you have to think if they were going to do something with with somebody, if if that was an issue, they would choose to do something with Brown. I mean, uh, Marcus Smart instead of Jalen Brown. So uh, I look at that and I think, man, he'd fit really well on this Mavs team. And then, I, you know, Danny Ainge, he loves draft picks. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I could see something like that working out. That kind of fits what Tim McMahon's saying. It, it'd be adding a veteran. Uh, he's not on, you know, I haven't looked at his contract right now, but I know he's on a, a very reasonable contract. don't think it would hurt them too much, uh, you know, going into next offseason when they're, probably going to throw the kitchen sink at Giannis. We talked about that in, the, in our pod before this, but that that's who I'm looking at right now. When I think a veteran that would be an excellent fit and, you know, you could probably get him by trading your picks and, you know, somebody else to match the salary. But what do y'all think? Um, okay. So I love that idea. Um he's making four years, $52 million, which is very much affordable. Um, he's due to make yeah. just under 13 million this year or next year. And then uh, just under 14 the following year. And he's exactly what you want. I know there is a lot of talk even on our website about a connection with um, um, Montrez Harrell, which I think we all like, I, I, I wanted him last year before this team had 7,500 bigs on their team. Um, and, and he'd still, still, he still would be a good guy to have on your team in a, in a vacuum. Like you want that kind of player who's really tough and kind of an enforcer type and brings a lot of intensity, but Marcus right, smart also does. Room. Right. And, but Marcus smart also does those things and he comes at a position of need kind of, you know, like a secondary ball handler that can play defense, that can score. So I really, really, really like that. 
I wish we had mentioned that on the last podcast, actually, now that I think about it, because I was looking at a list of players who were, <laughs> you know, were good players who could be traded, and it was super depressing. And he was not, well, and, and he, he makes a lot of I mean, not only that, but he's also, uh, you know, he's a Dallas guy. You know, that's where he's from. Uh, Flower Mound. Think, it, it, yeah, Flower Mound. So, I mean, it, it'd be bringing him home, so to speak. I mean, I, I think it makes sense from every angle from the Mavs side. I'm not sure about the Celtics. Like I said, that just depends on if uh, – They love him there. He's, he's like that spiritual type player, if that makes sense. He's he's <laughs> yeah. that guy that make that, that they love regardless. And it's it's very tough because on paper I get what you're saying. I think on a on a like a on an emotional level, I think the Celtics would have a really hard time with that because he's he's kind of been their constant throughout a lot of the, the not you know a lot of their stuff the last several yeah. years. I mean, what about, I mean, what do y'all think? I mean, who are some other veterans that, you know, it's like, it's like Matt just said with uh, Montrez Harrell, I was the same way. At, at one point I was like, man, we could really use him and he's a free agent next summer. But then I'm like, ah, he's, he's with a clutch. And, right. uh, you know, there's, I feel like if you, if you sign Montrez Harrell, you have to do something with, you know, some of these other bigs, you have to do something with either Boban or, Right. Uh, probably Dwight Powell. I mean, yeah, especially given how much Montrez is going to make. But I mean, other than that, I mean, I was even interested in. <laughs> it's, it's funny because last last off season we were getting so excited when that uh, that report came out that oh well the Mavs are trying to pair Danny Green with Marcus Morris, and uh, now it's just like well Danny Green. He wasn't near as good as what we thought he would be with the Lakers, even though I still hold the opinion he would have been much better with the Mavs. But and uh, Marcus Morris, uh, the, I don't, the Mavs aren't going to touch him. I don't think. Yeah, I'll let y'all, you know, I give agree. your opinions on that. But I, I don't think there's a chance that that happens. So, no. Well, I don't I, I, go ahead, Matt. No, uh, I was. I've got a couple of things on that. One thing I don't think Boban is ever playing for another team ever again. Uh, I think the as long as humanly possible. Um, but the other thing is, in, in this, this isn't you know we kind of talked about this on the other pod, but picking the bones of the Rockets, mm. like we were talking about, Tucker is one of those one of those guys you could trade for. It's better in toughness. But what about Robert Covington? Oh yeah, he's okay. another guy. Three-point shooter, tough defensive player. That's another guy you could look at. It, it's guys like that and Marcus Smart that I think are the, the things you have to shoot for this summer because that's the most realistic, and it makes it just makes the most sense. Well, and I think you know, I, during the season, I think we all wanted the Mavs to trade for Covington at some point. Uh, yes, you know it. it it pained me to see him go to Houston <laughs> after after all of that because I think that move could have been the move that uh, you know the Mavs they they only they were only like a game and a half out of being a top four seed. I think that would have definitely put them you know over the top to where they could have been a top four seed this year. Uh, so I'd love to have Covington, and I think. Before Maury stepped down, I was thinking, well, there's no way that's going to happen because 
they're going to definitely if they're going to trade him they're going to want back something similar you know to what they traded for him uh, but you know like Bobby Mark said on ESPN when he was breaking down the Rockets offseason situation they have no picks at all right now I mean pretty much I mean you have to go way into the future until you see a Houston Rockets pick <laughs> so they have no picks they're completely strapped with the uh the Harden and Westbrook deals they've got 57 million tied up uh with PJ Tucker for the next four years and you know I I think under new management and knowing how their owner Tillman is he's a penny pincher uh I think they could get him so uh, that, that's a good one right there man I'm glad you have uh relit my Covington fire <laughs> mm. well well so I want to keep talking because we have an unbelievably weird and, and special debate coming, but I need to cut real quick for commercial break. <laughs> so if everyone could stay with us, we will be right back. Thanks for sticking with us through a commercial break, everyone. I am back with the two hosts of the Mavs Step Back podcast, Matt and Dalton. We have been talking about all sorts of things for going on over an hour now between our two podcasts. If you haven't gone and downloaded the Mavs Step Back podcast, go do so, like, and subscribe to it as well. Also, give us both very excellent ratings. These things are important. So several weeks ago, somehow, I don't know, like probably like on a Thursday morning, Dalton, who has a tendency to just throw bombs into our various group chat discussion, started talking about <laughs> Buddy Heald uh, and the Kings. And it's important to understand that he started talking about Buddy Heald and the Kings well before reports surfaced about Buddy Heald not responding to uh, their head coach's text messages and basically being disgruntled. And that sort of prompted a little bit of a debate about, uh, you know, Buddy Heald versus Zach Levine. Now, how we came to those particular players was, I believe, and, and Dalton and Matt, please correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that that we collectively feel that for the right price, both of these players are available on the market. Is that true? Right. Right. That, that, that's what I believe. I mean, definitely with Heald. I mean, Levine, it's a little bit more tricky because, you know, the Bulls, they're under new management, too. You don't know sure. exactly what direction they want to take. But, uh, you know, Zach Levine, he's in the prime of his career right now. He's putting up amazing numbers, and yet he's still not winning. So I personally feel that, you know, Levine would rather have a fresh start and a new destination. But like I said, I don't know exactly what – Chicago's new management is is hoping to do there but I think Buddy Heald is 100% gettable because you know the reports before the season ended was uh, you know that they're making their top priority this summer uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich so if they sign him to what everybody thinks he's going to make per year you know something's going to have to give and that would be Buddy Heald who was benched in favor of Bogdanovich you know, in February. So, that's so I'm and I mean, but, we, we got into this debating who would be better. I, I personally think Zach Levine would be better just giving his overall, given his overall production. But uh, I mean, I see Matt's argument too. Matt, you want to go so, into that? Well, well, before Matt starts, I, I need to clarify because I didn't even say this. What we're talking about is that the Mavericks need to trade for both of these players, not just in a vacuum. 
Um, so we, yeah. we were really talking yeah. about how these guys would fit with <laughs> Luca and, and kind of on the team because, you know, we're always looking for ways to upgrade, even though no one straight like Donnie Nelson, for some reason, does not consult us. I don't entirely understand why, but I, I think he should consider it. But Matt, you know, go <laughs> ahead and, and, you know, kind of state your case, because I really would have sworn Dalton would be on the Buddy Heald angle. So this is a little bit surprising to me. No, I mean, Dalton's been pretty firm on his Zach Levine love dating all the way back. The time that he got flamed by Chicago fans for writing a, an opinion piece. Which, oh, they, they were not nice. Which, you know, to Dalton's credit, he makes a really good case for Zach Levine. I'm not, you know, I, it's not my choice. I don't like his attitude. Buddy, Buddy Heald doesn't mm. have a great attitude either. But I think, I think when it boils down to, you know, player personnel and who you have around you and what the Mavericks need and all that stuff. And the guy who can make shots for Luca when he needs them. I mean, Buddy Heald is one of the two or three best three point shooters in the NBA. And you desperately need that. And it, to me, it, he's, I think he's more gettable. I think he's more of a sch- schematical fit. His attitude definitely worries me also. But the Kings also, for some reason, love doing business with the Mavericks. That's um, true. They were great to take Harrison <laughs> Barnes off of our off of our plates. They were gracious enough to, um, I mean, just that alone really is just the nicest thing any NBA team could do to another. Taking a max contract for basically peanuts, but it's. It's tough. And we all Vladdy's not there to so much on that. that face too. <laughs> What's that, Dalton? Yeah. Say that again. I said, I said, and we all know, you know, after the Harrison Barnes trade, we know the Mavs just went all out with that cap space they freed up by doing that. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, okay. anyway, one of the worst options I can remember. But it's Vladdy's not there to pull the trigger on a bad deal that helps the Mavericks and hurts the Kings anymore. So That's true. That 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 kind of dims my hopes a little bit. Now the the stuff about Bogdan, they basically play the same position, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, you can't pay however many millions of dollars for two guys that play the same spot, both of whom want to start. So Dalton's right. I mean, one that's going to have to give. I don't see anything necessarily in Chicago that has to give that can have Levine fall at your feet because they've got him and like Larry Markinen and that point guard who's a rookie. Can't remember his name right now. And the center Kobe from Duke. White. Yeah. And then they've got the center from Duke that a bunch of people wanted the Mavericks to draft, but thank God they didn't. Carter. They got. Yeah. So it, it, it just seems like a lot more advantageous of a situation for, for the Mavericks to, have an opportunity to get to get into that kind of deal, just sure. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. With with Heald, it's more like, I mean, you you get the feeling they have to do something there. With Chicago and Levine, it would have to be like you know Zach Levine forcing his way out. Sure. Uh, because I he he still got if I if I remember this correctly, I think he's got at least two more years on his deal, maybe three. But so you know he's still sign semi long term they they can uh wait it out another year before they do anything but i don't know if it's just a playoff run that the Mavs had and you know not having brunson 
because of the shoulder injury, but I think it was painfully obvious that the Mavs needed a secondary ball handler just to give Luca a little bit of a breather, you know? Uh, and that's why I kind of lean more towards, if we're just talking about these two players, Hield and Levine, that's why I kind of lean more towards Levine because he's more of the, you know, he can handle the ball himself. He can create his own shot, uh, which he can too, just not as often. And, uh, you know, Levine, he's a nearly a 40% three-point shooter. He was this last year, uh, almost 37.5% from three for his career. And, I mean, he's just – he puts up superstar numbers. He averaged nearly 26 points, uh, five rebounds, four assists a game. So – and, you know, when you shoot 45% from the field, 38% from three, and you're able to handle the ball too and dish out four assists a game and all that, I mean, I just I just don't see how it could be a bad fit for this Mavs team. Well, and, yeah, he's not known as a defender, but neither is Buddy Heald. And I think, you know, we're, we've kind of been on this, the more offense, the better. <laughs> so, yeah. That's kind of where I'm at anyway. Well, well, I really like this from a theoretical perspective because it's fun. And one thing we didn't even discuss off the top is that this would largely involve like moving Tim Hardaway Jr. And so when you insert Tim Hardaway Jr. in the debate, it essentially becomes that gift from the office where all three guys are like raising their finger guns against them like slowly. It's a matter <laughs> of like, like which player's strengths and weaknesses do you like more? Because you know, on the one hand, you look at Buddy Heald's shot chart, and I really recommend everybody go do this. Buddy Hield's shot chart from the corners is disgusting. The the passes that that <laughs> all these Mavericks just clang, he buries. But on the flip side of this, his defensive numbers, he's among he is a bottom two defender in in his position out of like 170 possible people with advanced stats. Like I've seen some really frightening numbers. Then you have Levine who doesn't really care about defense and I'm not sure if that's just because of role. But like like Dalton said, he really does play sort of an interesting position with, with what they do there. So you wonder uh, if he could thrive in a different offense. Unfortunately for both these players, they both fall firmly into what Josh Bowe refers to as Rick Carlisle's phantom zone of players that Rick like <laughs> wants to murder. Um, and, you know, I know we all are having a great time with a Rick talk video from last night uh, where he was having oh a great God, time dancing awesome. with his daughter. And I'll never look at Rick Carlisle the same. But the fact is, he doesn't have time for other players' nonsense, and I think that's kind of an under underrated like part of all this. The fact that they got you know Tim Hardaway to buy in is really really something, and something that I think we should probably talk about more at a later date. You know, we have a few minutes left on this, and you know this wasn't on our rundown, but I do think it's worth talking about. Now, I, I believe none of the three of us are, are draft experts, unless you know uh, Dalton and Matt have been spending more time grinding tape. But do you, do uh, you know? Let's start with Matt first. Do you have any you know you know kind of deep draft takes? You know, five weeks out that you would like to to get off your chest as as we kind of slowly roll into this this you know draft stage of of the the Mavericks off season. Um. So I'm going to be brutally honest with everybody. Um. I have not <laughs> paid attention to draft tape since the Mavs drafted Luca. Because I said this is just the like Donnie Nelson. Good for you. I, I, I grinded <laughs> players that year, and I'm never doing it again. We got a great guy doing that for us now on our site. His name is Richard. 
You should you should go follow him. He's great. Mm. He does that now. He I is don't. great. And the thing Man. that the thing that I I do have a take on what they should do with the draft, and that is trade the draft picks Ooh, because God, you haven't shown you. me. But you like you haven't shown me that you can, you can maximize those draft picks and, and make and draft good players. So I have no confidence that you're going to be able to do that. Okay. Do that, then I'm not going to trust you to. Yeah. Um, well, look, my take is, I mean, look, last last year was just maddening because the Mavs at 37 at pick number 37, they could have drafted Bulbul, which in hindsight, given what happened with KP in the playoffs and then him, you know, resting every back to back. I mean, that would have been, that would have been amazing to have him as a, you know, early to mid second round pick, but then they traded down, got Isaiah Roby who didn't even make it like half the season with the team, I believe. <laughs> I mean, it was just, they punted is, I mean, that that's the nice way of putting it, I guess. Well, they- uh, so Sorry, I, I was just going to say you can go, you can continue right after I say this, but they draft kind of like the Cowboys. Mm, like, what a great take! Like oh. the Cowboys <laughs> drafted Christian Hill, and they could have had DK Metcalf. Oh. <laughs> what are so you true. doing? Like, what are you doing picking Isaiah Roby when a guy like you're you have a second round pick flyer on a guy anyway in the second round? Why not do it with a guy who's out of this world, talented, sure. instead of like a plumber. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, that, that's where I'm at this year. I've seen some people say, and I mean, I do think that the Mavs need a secondary ball handler. Uh, whether that's Jalen Brunson coming back, or if they end up trading him and you know getting some wings, and they, they still need a secondary ball handler. I've seen some people suggest different guards, like. Uh, Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky, which I don't think you can really go wrong with uh, with uh, Kentucky guards at this point, guards and uh, forwards. <laughs> centers, like not so much. Turn... What now? Kidding, kidding, kidding. I said centers, not so much, and I was just taking a <laughs> yeah. Willie Cauley-Stein shot. Sorry, Willie. You know what? I, look, I'm so numb to it by now. It's okay. <laughs> But, look, my take is if they trade the picks, fine. Uh, As long as it's something that makes the team better next year, I'm okay with it. But, you know, if they get to – say we're on draft night and we get to pick 18 and you have a guy like Josh Green or, uh, you know, say – I don't don't know how much you know about him, uh, Kirk, but, you know, Precious – I don't even know how to say his last name. Atua from Memphis. He's a six nine forward, two hundred and twenty three pounds. I mean, if if he w- was to fall down to number eighteen, or if Josh Green is available, you know, some of these uh, forwards that are extremely athletic. You know, I just, you know, I I, I just don't see how they can pass on a talent like that. You know, getting lucky if, if if those guys were to fall to eighteen. So that's just yeah. my take. I'm okay if they trade the picks, but you know, 
Yeah, I mean, when you have two picks like this in an ideal world, one of them, you know, with the way the Mavericks are built right now, and I think this is probably the most likely outcome, I think they probably move one. I don't want them to move both because I I think back to the the 2003-2004 Mavericks where, you know, Josh Howard existed and was very good as a rookie and Marquise Daniels was a a undrafted guy. And and there's just – you can do things with guys like this. It's, 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 you know, the Mavericks have done well with young talent. So I just, I want them to try, but I have a really feel strong feeling that Matt may be right. And this is kind of where we're heading. And, and it gives me some concern vibes for the next several years that, you know, there's no reason in the podcast like this, but I, I I very much, I I hope they draft at least one player. That would be, that would kind of, and not only that, like, like a player that is, is, has the potential to be like a fringe rotation guy. This will be the last thing I say. I'll keep it short, but let me just say, I will lose my mind. I've seen a couple people suggest that the Mavs use the number 18 pick to get off of the line rights contract. Right. I would be so mad if they did that. You don't trade that pick unless you're getting something bad that makes the team better. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Matt, do you have anything else before we get out of here? Just on one one other thing, it, I, I but the draft history scares me so much, especially with first-round guys. I mean, like Shane Larkin, mm-hmm. Jared Cunningham, like all this crap that we've had to deal with. If you're going to move fun one of fact. them. Fun fact, Jared Cunningham I blocked say- me on Twitter. That's why. Yeah, I mean, whatever. He he got blocked out of the NBA. <laughs> anyway, if you move one of those picks, I think it should be the fir- the first rounder, and then you know, first pick of the second round, you can find a guy who maybe slipped through the cracks who has a lot of potential. But I I think they overthink the first round picks too much. I do too, and I think there's I a pretty too. good to do that. Yeah, and and it's just you know, that's just where I'm at. I don't know. Yeah, well, this is this is the last time the Mavericks will draft this high in all likelihood until you know while I'm still in my 30s. So it, it, it's just something that that I think about more than I ought to. But guys, you know this has been a lot of fun. Um, again, if if you haven't listened to part one, stop what you're doing, go to your podcast app, go search Mavs uh, Step Back Podcast, and you will find it. You will go or go to sidallas.com, go to dallasbasketball.com. You'll find this podcast it's really easy to seek out. You know, subscribe, like, download. You should do all that for these guys because uh, even though Dalton didn't say any of this on his podcast for me, um, I want you to go do it for them. But <laughs> look, I, let me, look, I'm gonna, I'm look, I'm gonna go back in my editing and add it because I wasn't expecting us to get to the limit. They were about to kick me off of Zoom. That's so. true. That's true. Well, we've had fun. We've been talking for almost ninety minutes, and that's how you know you enjoy talking basketball with people because this is how it ought to be. Uh, follow both these guys on Twitter. If you don't, they do a lot of grindy and hard, great work over at Dallas basketball. This has been a lot of fun. We'll probably do it again because we don't know when basketball is going to happen again and we all need it to survive. This has been Kirk, your enthusiasm. <laughs> Find us on the, uh, Mavs Moneyball podcast. I'm sure Josh is going to be back next week talking with a couple of our folks about draft things. And, you know, he and I will find something to talk about because we always do. Thank you very much for uh, listening, and we will see you out on the internet.